again. All of those practices paid off with him. Let's pray. God, you're good. You're good. And may your joy permeate our whole lives, not just when we got a band. But tomorrow when we wake up, you're still going to be good. And Wednesday, when it's hump day, you're going to be good. And when we go through the valley, you're good. You are good. You are good. And your mercies endure forever. We're so glad to be the recipients of that goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And in the middle of all of God's goodness and His gifts and His strengths, we still face struggles. Now, there's still things in our life where we have weaknesses, we have challenges. There are still people who annoy us, right? Don't look at the person sitting next to you. We still still face habits that we're trying to overcome or, or habits that we're trying to get started or things in our marriage. We still struggle. So we're, we're kicking off today a series that we're calling The Struggle is Real. And we're going to talk about some of those areas where, where we have real struggles. Maybe, maybe you've already thought of a few as I'm introducing the message. If, if you think, I hope you cover this one, write it on the connection card or email me, ken at journeyloganville.com or Tweet at me or message me or, or whatever. Send me those. Maybe we'll cover those over the next four weeks. But I want to start this week with the one that, honestly, I think is the most important one. I don't know if there's a priority. I guess the priority is whichever one you're dealing with at the time. But I, I tend to think that this struggle sets up all of the others and definitely sets up our ability to overcome all the other struggles. And to understand this particular struggle in our life, there's one kind of basic principle that we all have to agree on this morning, so I'm just going to put it out there. Here's the underlying principle that we've all got to agree with uh, in this message, and that is that we are all mental. Right? <laughs> all of us. We're, we're all, again, just look at the person next to you. We're, we, matter of fact, say to the person next to you, you're mental. You are so Mental. Yeah, and now I'm not talking about mental illness. That's a serious subject. I'm not making light of that. That's a serious subject uh, that people struggle with and, and need, need help with. When I say we're all mental, what I mean is all of us to a large degree are defined, shaped, guided by what's going on in our mind. Our, our, our whole life direction comes out of, for the most part, our thought life. Those thoughts that we entertain most often, they shape our personality, they shape our interaction with other people. So much of who we are comes out of our mind, our thought lives. Uh, Proverbs 23, we're going to put it on the screen. The proverb writer gives this little illustration. He, He says, do not eat the food of a begrudging host. Do not crave his delicacies. For he is the kind of person who is always thinking about cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. What he's saying is, there may be someone in your life and they're doing a lot of nice things for you. But be careful because you don't really know what's going on in their mind. The phrase, 
For he is the kind of person who is always thinking about cost. In other words, he's not really being generous. He's running up the bill in his mind. He's, he's really kind of stingy. That's what's going on in his heart and his mind. That's the real person. As a matter of fact, some translations either say in the verse or there's a footnote in the bottom if you look at your Bible and it says this also could be translated as a person thinks in their mind, so are they. In other words, that's the real person. The real person is the thoughts that are going on inside. So don't be fooled by somebody's outward action. That may not be telling the whole story. Now, there's a part of us that wants that to be the whole story. We want what we do to define us because that means if I do a few good things and I'm a good person, if I do a few nice things for somebody else and I'm a nice person or a generous person, I can sort of define who I am by doing a couple of really good things. But the Bible over and over again, especially Jesus, Jesus says, you know what, you can look one way on the outside and that really not be you because who you are is the person that you are on the inside. Those thoughts and motives and attitudes. And Jesus especially, all throughout his ministry, says, I want to deal with that part of you. I don't want to just deal with the outside. I want to deal with what's going on in you and I want to change you from the inside out. If you don't believe that our our thoughts are who we really are, it was just Halloween yesterday. Let Let me give you a scary thought. What if there were um, a helmet, a machine, a headband, earbuds that you could put on and immediately everything you're thinking became audible to all the rest of us? (laughs) Nobody's signing up for that experiment, are they? Because we know, we know what goes on in our mind. We know what we think, regardless of what we say outwardly or what we do outwardly, we know the kind of stuff that goes on in our minds. And the last thing we want is for everybody else to know what's going on in my mind. I mean, just think, one 24-hour period, what if everybody heard everything that you thought? And that tension you feel with that idea, that not me that you feel, that's what the proverb writer means when he says, you know what's going on in there is really you. That's really the real you. And that's the you that God wants to deal with. Now, adding to our challenge in this whole thought, struggle is real in our thought life idea, is we live in a world that wants to tell us what we should think. It wants all of our thinking to kind of conform to the dominant thought of the world. It it, it wants... Us to be angry at the same thing everybody else is angry. Have you noticed how angry people are these days? Like everybody is offended at something. Everybody has a hashtag of some campaign that they're on and they're right and everybody else is wrong and we're all going to gang up and you need to think the same thing that we think. We need to be on the same side. And if you don't think what we think, then you're wrong and you're an outcast. We live in this world that provides all of this pressure to think certain specific ways. But here's what I found. I don't see the offended, angry, we're on a campaign mentality producing a lot of peace in people's lives. I don't see that producing kind, generous, merciful people. It just seems to be producing more and more angry and offended people. And the things that we're offended by these days are absolutely ridiculous most of the time. So we're in this world that's trying to give us certain thought patterns. And in response to that, 
A guy by the name of Paul writes a couple of verses in Romans chapter 12 that say this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, I don't want you to sacrifice animals or uh, I'm not primarily concerned about your, your financial offerings. That's not really the main point of what I'm going for. I want you to give yourself to God. I want your whole life just to be handed over to God. And then he adds this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be like everybody else, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm always interested in what they don't say when I read the Bible. I'm always interested in what they don't bring up, the authors of the Bible. And and Paul doesn't say, I want you to be different from the world by doing some good deeds for people. That's not what he says. He doesn't say, I want you to be different from the world by breaking some bad habits, right? Quit smoking, like don't get drunk, like don't go to bad movies, stop swearing all the time. He doesn't say that. He says, I want you to be different from the world because of what you think. What's going on in your mind? Because Paul knows, just like Jesus and just like the proverb writer, Paul knows if we change our thinking, then that will naturally begin to change our actions. From the inside out, we begin to change. The Bible almost never suggests change from the outside in. Now, I I know there's some things you do that you don't feel like doing because they're the right thing to do. But that's not really changing you. That's just changing your behavior. And if you want to be different instead of just acting differently, it has to come from the inside. Renewing our mind. Changing our mind. So what does the Bible mean when it uses the word mind? The way the New Testament uses the word mind is it's not so much a concept. It's not a place in your brain. Uh, mind in the way that Paul uses it and the New Testament uses is the general direction of your thoughts. What's the stream of your thoughts? Uh, what, what's the disposition of your thought life? Like, where's it going? Is it going in a good direction? Or is it going in a bad direction? Is it going in a healthy direction or is it going in an unhealthy direction? We all have this, we sometimes call it stream of consciousness, right? We all have these thoughts constantly running. Our mind's always moving in a direction. And Paul's saying, I want you to make that direction new and different. Have you ever, you ever taught somebody to drive? Parents, you ever been through that heartwarming process with your kids? I'm working on number two right now. I have a 16-year-old, so we went through the learner's permit, and now she has the, uh, the, the legal permit, and, and I have a really expensive insurance bill with her. And so now we're on number two, which is exciting about what that's going to do to the insurance bill a year from now. I have number two who just got her learner's permit. So we're going through the whole process again of instruction and teaching. One of the first lessons I give my kids, maybe you didn't give your kids this lesson, but one of the first lessons I give my kids as, as she's learning to drive is wherever you're looking, the car is going to tend to go. Now, especially as a new, inexperienced driver. Wherever your eyes are, if you see something over there that catches your attention, you're not even going to mean to, and the car is going to start drifting that way. Right? If you're talking to your sister in the passenger seat, 
You don't have to turn the car. It's just going to start going that way because you're looking that way. If you're looking this way, car's just going to automatically start drifting over that way. That's why we tell the younger sisters, don't distract your sister. She's learning to drive. Don't get her attention off the road because as soon as she takes her eyes off the road, the car just starts going that way. Our thoughts are like that. When our thoughts are focused on the wrong things, then our stream of thought, the flow of our thinking is going to begin to go in the wrong direction. This is why it's so important to Paul that we constantly renew our minds. Now, here's the thing about what the Bible says related to this. The Bible says that you and I are not victims of our thinking. We're not victims of this stream of thought. Like It's not where I just can't help it. My mind just kind of goes there. My mind just kind of wanders there. Now, now, maybe we don't specifically control everything that pops into our mind, but the Bible suggests that we do have control over how long my mind stays there. Example, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Set is a, is a proactive word. You, when it comes to your stream of thought, proactively determine what you are going to think about because you're in control of it. And not only are you and I in control of our thoughts, we're responsible for our thoughts. I'm responsible for where my mind is hanging out. I'm responsible for how long I allow unhealthy stream of thought to continue in my mind. That's on me. And here's here's Paul pleading with us. You renew your mind. You set your mind on the right things. In other words, Paul's saying, you need to tell your mind what to think about. You need to talk to your mind. Tell your mind what it, what it can and cannot think about. Be proactive in this struggle with our thoughts because our thoughts have consequences. And when I'm angry, when I'm impatient, when I'm resentful, when I'm agitated, one of the questions I need to ask is, what have I been holding in my mind that got me to this spot? What thought have I been carrying around today that has resulted in where I am right now, and how do I change that? My favorite verse about the mind and about thought is Romans chapter 8. This is verse 5 and 6. Those who live according to the flesh, in other words, they're going the wrong direction, have their minds set, they've put their mind on what the flesh desires. In other words, their mind's going in all kind of unhealthy directions. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, the Spirit of God, capital S, Spirit of God, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. They put their mind on spiritually healthy things, emotionally healthy, relationally healthy things, And then he says this, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So Paul makes it really simple. Maybe you're thinking he oversimplifies it, but Paul just draws a clear distinction. He says, look, the stream of your thought is always going in one of two directions. It's either going towards death, unhealthy things that are destroying you and your relationship and your emotional health. Your mind is moving away from what is good, and that's death. 
He says, or your mind is moving toward life and peace. Your thoughts are taking you toward healthy life and peace in the Spirit of God. And it's real easy to kind of examine your thought life. Every time you're having these thoughts, especially when thoughts are going over and over again in your mind, to stop and ask yourself, all right, is this thought stream going toward death or toward life and peace? Because if it's not moving me toward life and peace, this is not what God wants me holding in my mind right now. Paul often, when he talks about the spiritual life and how we are to live, he uses the analogy of putting off and putting on. And he says there's some things you need to put off and there's some good things you need to put on. And this is true of our thought life. We have to put off what's leading us in an unhealthy direction. And we have to put on what's leading us to health and life and peace. Ever watch uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood when you were a kid? This is what he does at the beginning of every Mr. Rogers, right? He comes in whistling and singing and he's happy all the time. It makes us hate him. But he was it's like inspiring sort of happy maybe. So he comes in, and he's all dressed up, takes his tie and his coat off, and what does he put on? He puts on that little cardigan, right, and his sneakers, and he sits down and ties his shoes. He takes off, puts on something different. This is what Paul means by renewing our mind. I'm constantly having to say, is there something I need to put off? Is there something that God would want me to be more comfortable with? Like you get home at the end of the day, and you put on comfortable clothes? Is there, is there a train of thought? Is there a flow of thinking that God wants me to get comfortable with? And is there a flow of thinking that I need to hang up, that I need to quit, that I need to stop? And, and we've said it already, but this is a proactive shift on our part. It's not my thoughts running away with me. It's me proactively deciding resentment, anger, Bitterness, impatience, I'm going to put it off. Get it out of my thinking. I'm going to shift my mind to something else. Now, in Romans 12, when Paul says we have to renew our mind, he says it in such a way that it doesn't mean one time. Like there was this moment, I renewed my mind, and I've never had any more troubles. It's a constant process. That I'm constantly renewing my mind to what is spiritually healthy and spiritually life-giving. And it is leading my life and my thinking and my emotions toward life and peace. I'm having to do this over and over again. And some people know you have to do this every day and sometimes every hour and sometimes every minute, sometimes every email, sometimes every text. I've got to renew my thinking. Now, let's just be honest, and we try to keep it real here. Some of our thoughts, even thoughts that are leading to death, are justifiable. I mean, they really, they're justifiable. From a human perspective, they're justifiable. I have a right to think that about them. Yeah, you do have a right to, but I have a right to be angry. I have a right to keep replaying this conversation over and over again in my head. Yes, humanly speaking, you're right. You have a right to that. The problem is it's making your thinking more and more look like death and less and less like life and peace. And that's causing your life 
to look more and more like death and less and less like life and peace. So yes, acknowledge the thought. Acknowledge, you know what, I'm right. If I told this story to anybody, they would say, you're right. You have a right to feel that way. You have a right to replay that conversation. But then I have to understand, this isn't helping me. And this isn't hurting them. I've got to renew my mind. Kind of a popular phrase that gets used a lot right now. Letting someone live rent-free in your brain. You heard this phrase? Letting someone live rent-free. That means you're constantly thinking about that person that you're so angry at. You're letting them take up space in your mind, which is affecting your relationships and your emotions and your spiritual connection to God. And whether there's life in peace, you're letting them live rent-free in your thoughts. And you're in control of that. I am in control of that. I would say the same thing about issues that we have no control over. Why, Why do I let issues that I have absolutely no control over live rent free in my brain? Because I can't fix them. I can't change them. So why am I obsessing over and over and over again? So how do we make this work? What are kind of some practical ideas around this renewing our mind or setting our mind on things that are, are right? Here's one suggestion. Tell your mind what to think as soon as you get up in the morning and again right before you go to bed at night. Tell your mind what to think as soon as you get up. Because our initial thoughts at the beginning of the day, you know this, whether you've ever thought about it or not, our initial thoughts, the mindset that happens in the first 30 minutes of our day impacts pretty much the rest of our day, doesn't it? Like if we're anxious, if we're, if we're angry, if we're, and if we're running behind, we carry that thought, we carry that flow into the rest of our day. So determine... The very beginning of the day, I'm going to put my mind in the right place. Now, that's, that'll look different for everybody. Um, some people do their Bible reading early in the morning. It's a great time to do your Bible reading. It doesn't work for everybody. I'm not suggesting have a 30-minute Bible study every morning if that's not the best time for you to do that. But what you can do is before your feet hit the floor, just put your mind in the right place. And maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's just a brief prayer. God, giving you my day. This is not the time to pray about all the challenges you're going to have in the day because that's going to set your mind in the wrong place. This is the time to be grateful, to express worship, to be thankful for what God has put into your life. Just 15 seconds. I'm going to put my mind in the right place. Maybe it's reading a couple of verses or a chapter out of the Bible. So kind of before you get going, I'm going to set my mind on the truth of God's word. I'm going to set my mind on what God has said to me in his word. I'm going to let that be the initial thought of my day. Maybe it's, maybe it's worship music. I mean, maybe, maybe you play music that inspires you, that gets your mind moving in the right direction. You, you play some worship music or If you're really spiritual, starting today, you're playing Christmas music, right? Because today is the start of Christmas music listening season. Are you with me, right? All right, all right. Excellent, excellent, good. If you're one of those Christmas music has to wait till after Thanksgiving, we don't need that kind of negativity up in here, right? (laughs) 
We don't need that. We don't need that kind of negativity. So you keep that to yourself because some of us are listening to Christmas music right now. Whatever it is, whatever it is, this is going to get my mind in the right place at the beginning of the day. And then at the end of the day, I'm going to do that again. Last thing on my mind, I'm going to get my mind in the right place. Okay, which for me, confession, which for me means not checking Twitter right before I go to bed, right? It's praying again. God, thank you. Prayer of gratitude. This, this, is, this is gratitude month, right? We're focused on Thanksgiving gratitude. We're heading there, right? Christmas music does not detract from that. I'm still thankful. Even though I'm listening to Christmas music, I'm just thankful for Christmas music over the next like 30 days or whatever it is till Thanksgiving. We have sort of this idea of gratitude uh, going this month. Really interesting research lately on the impact of gratitude on our thinking and just physiologically on us overall. For example, scientists have discovered that grateful people tend to sleep better at night. They just rest better. They wake up with a well-rested mind, which helps me put my mind in the right place the next day. They get better, they get better. sleep. Scientists conducted this research where they had, they had different groups, and the thankful group, they just told them, every day you're just going to make a list of things you're grateful for. That's all they did. They slept better. They had lower depression, better outlook on life. Look, I'm not saying gratitude fixes all depression because depression is sometimes multifaceted and, and there has to be kind of a multifaceted approach. But research has discovered gratitude helps alleviate some depression. Really interesting uh, idea they found about gratitude is that when we're grateful, our brain releases the chemical dopamine, which is the reward chemical in the brain. Whenever you do something and the brain wants you to do it again, it releases dopamine. Say, hey, that was a good thing. Do that again. It'll give you a little reward for that. It's the reward chemical. Scientists have discovered If you're grateful about anything, dopamine gets released in your brain. I mean, gratitude's like a drug. Sometimes you hear people say, you know, I got to have drugs to get up in the morning and drugs to go go to bed at night. Great, gratitude. Like, drug up all you want. Like, as much drug as you need at night, in the morning. Just be thankful, and the brain's going to trigger its own natural chemicals to say, yeah, that's a good thing right there. I want you to keep doing that. I want you to stay in this stream of gratitude. Another thing, limit your exposure to people or activities that turn your thinking in an unhealthy direction. That sounds kind of harsh, but if you want to guard the flow of your thinking, the stream of your thinking, there are certain people that you got to take in small doses. You got to limit yourself because when they step into your life, they bring all of their negative thinking with them. And it's not that you cut them off completely. You need to help them. You need to be an example to them. But there are things in our life that turn us to unhealthy directions that we need to limit our exposure to. Listen, if if Fox News or CNN or MSNBC gets you going in the wrong direction, turn it off. If Donald Trump does that to you, stop listening to Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or whoever it is, whatever talk show host it is that kind of revs up your negative thinking. You just got to turn that off. Just a switch. Limit your exposure to those things that turn your thinking in a negative direction. Third, 
Become more aware of your thinking so, when you, so you can recognize when your thoughts are unhealthy. Or another way, way of saying it is start thinking about what you're thinking about. I mean, just periodically through the day, ask yourself, okay, what's my mind been on today? What's the direction? What's, what's the flow? And do I need to set it in a different direction? What's my mind drifting towards? Because our minds will tend to drift towards certain things. Don't, don't rationalize. Don't justify. Just say, hey, here it is. This is where my thoughts have been going. And if it's unhealthy, determine to do the courageous thing. And that is to interrupt those thoughts and put them somewhere else. Paul writes in uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, we take captive every thought. I mean, he uses this kind of strong sort of military language to say you cannot let your thoughts run away with you. you got to arrest it, capture it, take it prisoner. Don't let it keep going that way. And, and not just the thoughts that are coming from inside of you, but the thoughts that are being projected onto you by other people. You can't just continue in that stream of thought. Take captive every thought and ask yourself, is this leading to death? Is this leading to life and peace? Is this leading to spiritual health and emotional health and relational health? The American Psychological Association published a study um, recently. I was reading it this week. It was talking about depression. It was, it was saying that one of the leading causes of depression is what it terms ruminating. And by ruminating, it means turning things over and over again in your mind. Like going over the same conversation, the same issue, the same negativity, the same anger, the same what if, the same two weeks ago thing. Just over and over and over. It's the idea of an animal that chews its food, swallows, and then regurgitates it back up, chews it and swallows it and regurgitates it back up and chews it. And every time it comes up, it's nastier than the last time, right? And that's the way our thinking is. Like every time we bring that thing back that's already mentally and emotionally and spiritually pulled us away from health, it's more damaging every time we bring it up again and again and again. You and I have to determine, I'm going to interrupt those things. I'm going to turn my mind in a different direction. Now, this article I was reading from the Psychological Association, they suggested when you find yourself in this pattern, distract your thinking. And honest to goodness, here were two of their suggestions. They said, look at an airplane flying in the sky. And their second suggestion was, look at the blades of a fan as they're rotating. And I thought, well, that's dumb. I mean, I know they're smarter than I am. They, they got like college degrees and, and doctorates and all kind of crazy. But why not, if I'm going to interrupt a negative stream of thought, why not find something really good to put my mind on? Why not shift my mind over to something spiritually productive? Because for most of us, our minds rarely think about nothing. Like our minds tend to drift towards topic. It's, it's very rare that we're thinking of nothing, except for the men here uh, today. Because I mean, we do have that kind of superpower, don't we, guys? For, for small amounts of time, ladies, just trust me on this. Whenever you ask, what are you thinking about, and we say nothing, we really mean it. 
Like, that's one of the superpowers that guys get is that for small amounts of time, we can think about absolutely nothing. But even for us, superheroes that we are, even for us, you're not going to think about nothing for long. Your mind's going to gravitate maybe to discontent, maybe to the past, maybe to regret. And when that happens, when the stream is moving in the wrong direction, it's not enough just to stop it. You've then got to put it somewhere, right? And and I'm not the one that came up with this. 1,800 years ago, 1,900 years ago, a guy named Paul says this very thing in Philippians 4.8. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. It's like Paul saying, pick one. There's so much good stuff to put your mind. Just pick one. Pick something of God that you're grateful for. Pick something that's in your life that you're grateful to God for. For the fact that the God of the universe loves you enough to forgive you of your sins, to send his son to die for you. The, The fact that the God of the universe has adopted you into his family. You're his kid Like, he is crazy about you. He loves you. Paul says there's all of this great stuff about our God and about faith that you could put your mind on. Pick one of those and put your mind there so that it gets renewed. There's a a fitness plan. I don't know what to call them anymore. There's so many of them. But there's there's a fitness plan. There's books and articles and like, like a whole diet plan. Uh, around the caption of eat this, not that. Have you seen some of those articles or maybe the book or the plan? Eat this, not that. It's kind of a simple plan. And basically, basically it is just substitute. When you're tempted to eat something really bad for you, just substitute something that's better for you. You go out to fast food. Sometimes that can be hard to do, right? And so you have this whole plan. Like you got to eat at fast food, but why don't you eat this instead of that? The grocery store. Look, buy this. Don't buy that. And, w- and when you make that little substitution, then you're saving fat grams and sugar and calories, all those sort of things. Eat this, not that. That's kind of what Paul's saying. Every day in your life, you've got to think about what you're thinking about. And sometimes you need to think this and not that. You need to substitute the goodness of God. The beauty of God, the attributes of God, what God has done in your life. Think about that, not this. So that daily, hourly, minute to minute, you and I are constantly renewing our mind toward life and peace. Because that's what God wants to give us. He wants us to live in life and peace. And much of that will be determined by what I hold in my mind, the stream of thoughts that I carry with me throughout each day. Let's pray.